once more to a novel evening. As always, I am Danny. I am on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books, and you can find me over on TikTok as at a novel evening podcast. Uh, I'm getting down with TikTok very slowly, but surely I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, and for this week's episode, uh, first I'm going to dive in with uh, with the novel that uh that is due out because I was very very lucky to get a proof of the incredible Bitterthorn oh this book is like a fairy story just brought up a notch it's uh it's beautiful it's got a gorgeous uh queer romance in there it's sumptuous it's gothic it's dripping with magic it calls back to you know Brothers Grimm. I absolutely loved it. And its author is the wonderful Kat Dunn. I know so many of you are such a fan of her work. I absolutely love this book. I'm super, super excited for everyone to read it because it's just wicked. Uh, I have so many questions for Kat and I'm super excited to welcome her on to a novel evening. So a massive hello to Kat. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on the yeah. podcast. Thank you so much for to come and join me. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm doing all right. I'm uh, on about three different deadlines and on the eve of publication. So a little bit. Uh, in wow. My yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you're in that zone, you know, you've got a book coming out, you've got deadlines what do you put your, your focus into how do you kind of delegate great answer where I'd be like I prioritize based on like you know importance of task and deadlines and blah 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 <laughs> but the reality is it's a little bit like right what can I focus on in this minute right yeah. now okay I can manage this um but yeah you know so some of those day job um, time management skills come across yeah. as well yeah I bet I bet and I suppose you've kind of just gotta you know when your book's finished and it's about to go out there and you've got other books to write then I guess those kind of take precedent right well I don't know it kind of depends per task at the moment you've got to promote the book as it's coming out yeah. and in some ways like the drafting and editing stages are more nebulous and can move around like, I think like um for at least for the author the um publication is really like place with all the hard deadlines you know yeah. unlike production who've been working like fury to hard deadlines earlier in the process we've suddenly got like events and things to attend and podcasts to record yes I <laughs> I am one of those things that come in to be like stop <laughs> writing stop your deadlines because we need to talk about Bitterthorn so firstly I mean this is beautiful Oh, thank you. Like it's Thanks. a you obviously listeners can't see it, but I would highly recommend going and checking it out. And because it's a really, really beautiful book. Yeah. It really gives me that, you know, old school fairy tale vibe as soon as you see it. Yeah, I was very, very lucky. Um, worked with a fantastic designer, Andrew Davies, and then uh, the in-house designer, Anderson Jack, was just like brilliant at bringing it all to life in the book itself. So I'm really very, very lucky. I know, like, uh, I mean, I everyone judges a book by its cover right like that's a silly adage um it's what we do <laughs> for us to judge the books by um so I'm very excited to see it like amongst out amongst its fellow books yeah. Uh, yeah. and as I look I see lots of little things as well that I've like picked yeah. up once you've read it. it once you've read it there's yeah. loads of bits where you're like oh that's that and that's that so so yeah. tell us firstly for anyone who obviously hasn't seen the book hasn't picked it up tell us about the story of Bitterthorn 
So Bitterthorn is a sapphic gothic romance. Um, it's uh, started life with a very, very loose Beauty and the Beast retelling. So there are some bones there if, if you look for them. Um, and it's about a girl called Mina who lives in this sort of fairy tale town of Blumwald in sort of a Germanish forest somewhere. And she's uh, very lonely and, you know, grieving and really miserable in her life. So when the... Uh, the there's a legend in the local town that once a generation a witch comes down and takes a companion never to be seen again so when the witch comes this time Mina kind of thinks well could, my life's pretty bad <laughs> like why I guess you know let's go into the unknown you know she kind of wants to run away right like kind of do something radically so she, she offers to go with the witch this time and uh, quite quickly is like oh no what have I walked into because obviously you know she get not everything is as she seems the witch is uh uh well, my favourite character to write, um, which is sort of alluring and, uh, you know, your sexy love interest, but also hiding some great secret about what happened to the previous companions. And Mina's sort of drawn into this secret while she's drawn closer to the witch in this kind of a very sort of slow love story and slow burn romance, while also looking into the secret of what happened to her predecessors. And maybe these two things won't be compatible. <laughs> maybe she'll yes. find things that might... Uh, might leave things terribly straight. That's not a great pitch, I'll say to you <laughs> as listeners. I'm early in the promo tour and I don't have my like neat pitch down. It's certainly more of a ramble. <laughs> but, um... I covered the, the main elements of the story. I feel like it's picked up, you know, I do like the fact that this is very much about kind of dark secrets and finding yes. out things, you know, it's all about curiosity, right? Versus, you know, needing to know something. Do you really want to know those things about a person? And when yes. you do know the truth, can you withstand them? Yes. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, there's 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 a lot in there about, well, it, it's very much a story I wanted to write about monstrousness and love, loneliness, and how the monsters we think we are when we've been so neglected and so isolated, and so like lacking in human love and relation and contact that we start to think ourselves inhuman. And if you think yourself inhuman, how might you behave? What might you do? And how hard it might be to... Um, believe differently when somebody's there offering you something different and both Mina and the witch experience this in their own ways and the secrets that come out are around the monstrousness that they that they feel is within them and the way they've acted because of that it was very emotional actually as a read and I don't think I anticipated that necessarily when I kind of read the blurb and I kind of was going into expecting this kind of gothic romantic magical fantasy and I think when I realized it, it's very emotional, like you say, it touches on a lot of, you know, themes of loneliness and there's a lot of despair in there and hopelessness and, but also about trying to discover who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the emotion was kind of uh, really the driving force in writing it for me. Um, my previous trilogy was very sort of action focused, swashbuckling, you know, there's, if you know, especially by the end of the trilogy, the emotion is pretty and like full on and quite intense. But yeah. this was something that started character led and started with that romance. And so the emotion was always at the forefront and really, um, it, you know, I, I love the plot and I really like, I think I really enjoyed writing it. And I think it adds so much to the love story, but I think there was, what was at the core of what I was trying to do when I was trying to write was express what it was to be like I think there's a line somewhere where I say um sometimes you can be so lonely you feel physically cold and that's something I'd always like observed in myself and just thought oh that must just be mad and then I, I saw some ask a study recently that talked about how actually our body temperature drops when we're in isolation and it's raised when we're in beauty so 
it's so they're talking about winter and seasonal depression and potentially the coldness of the atmosphere is giving our body the signal that we've been abandoned by the pack right you know we've been you know we're alone and abandoned and we're gonna die and I was like oh my god you're right lonely cold when I'm lonely um anyway so there's things like that where I just I was trying so much to express something that's been a real um sad companion of my life and something I've you know I, I thought yeah. it's been a very um difficult thing I've had to go through for various reasons at different times and um I, I wanted both I, I felt the love story so I am going to ramble and you just have to cut me off and ask a You're different fine. question I've literally <laughs> something, but I think I, we talk about love stories being earned or character development being earned and for me the love story only meant something if we tr- if you truly understood and felt where these characters yeah. were um before you know you know you understand the pain that they're coming from and actually the pain is as much part of the love story as the attraction between them yeah it's really interesting you said that as well I read something a little while ago about loneliness and about having really hot baths and I have like super super hot baths and I read somewhere it's about trying to replicate that like touch that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. like really hot water you feel like you're being cradled and you're being held And that resonated to me quite a lot. I've, you know, loneliness is something I think I've definitely experienced in many different forms. And as I was reading it, that was what I definitely saw in myself as I was reading it. You know, when you think you're that kind of unlovable, Mm. nobody is going to love you because you hit that kind of low. And I saw in both The Witch and Mina, both of them in very different ways experiencing that. Yeah, um, somebody, so I, I kind of try to sometimes describe Mina and the Witch as like the, the grumpy one, sunshine one um, yeah. dynamic. But someone said to me, yeah, but like Mina's a golden retriever, but with depression. Yeah. <laughs> the depressed golden retriever. And I was like, oh no, they, they, they're, not both the, they're not both the grumpy one, but they are both the depressed one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I like that they find something in each other and it's, it's not an easy journey for either of them. You know, this no. is an insta love. They meet and everything's great. It's a, quite a torrid quite a torrid journey for both of them isn't it yeah yeah um yeah I mean both of them are like I suppose I I sometimes we have this sort of story where it's like I've been hurt before so it's hard to trust again and this is more like I've not been hurt before because I had love and lost it it's I've never had love I don't know what that is I don't trust you I don't understand it it's not a language I speak I don't know how to uh, I don't know what to how to make sense of the things that I think I'm feeling around you, but I don't know if that's what I'm feeling around you. And it makes me very stressed and very anxious. So I'm just gonna push you away, hate you, hate myself. And like it sounds really depressing, right? But there's like a fun mystery plot happening at the same time. There is. And it's it's not yeah. a depressing story at all. I think it's a really insightful look into what love can really mean as well you know it's quite easy to get swept away in kind of the, the glorious romances and like you say there's a very interesting mystery at the heart of it as well there's some uh some disappearances and, and things like that that I really enjoy and you said obviously at the beginning it was loosely based on a Beauty and the Beast kind of retelling as you were going did you know how the story was going to go or did it kind of develop as you were writing so I think I had the bones of it quite quickly. I think I had, um, from the very get-go, I kind of had the setup with the witch coming and taking companions and Mina volunteering. I had the big reveal that happens around sort of the midpoint that I won't say anything about, spoiler, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then the ending, I knew what had to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. Right. And I was absolutely, like, I had to bash my head against what what is going to be a really neat little thing that just... T- um, because obviously, you know, if you look at Beauty and the Beast, you know, there is the idea that 
he the, the you know the beast has got to have some text that gives me the answer at the end so that was a little bit of a puzzle to solve for myself but I think um you know it, it strayed quite a lot from Beauty and the Beast and a lot of other elements came in but that kind of early thing of these two wounded incredibly different characters who are hostile and complicated in their own way um you know I, I think you know we, we can too easily kind of put a dichotomy of like this one's beastly and this one's beautiful and it's like maybe it's talking about beauty in different forms yes forms um and so I kind of wanted to it started off wanting to um make the beast a female character to kind of look more directly into monstrousness um and you know and as a woman um and then it kind of just evolved from there, really. And I found sort of quite organically lots of elements from other fairy tales were sort of coming in without thinking, because I think it's a language we all speak, right? Like it's sort of, I don't need to make it really obvious when I things are being drawn from certain traditions yeah. or stories. I mean, it, you know, in this context of the book in England, in the English, that is the vocabulary we speak. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I know from, you know, you've obviously put in your author's note and your acknowledgements, this is quite an emotional writing process for you as well how did it kind of compare with your first kind of novels that you wrote writing this oh like night and day two different people I had like a massive breakdown at all. um so I wrote the the trilogy uh so I wrote the first book of the trilogy Dangerous Remedy in 2017 um edited it in tw- edited it in 2018 sort of sold it and edited it a bit more in 2019 so that was kind of you know it, it, it went on a little bit for maybe like a year and a half or so um that was all before the pandemic and it was very much in the stage of as a, as a writer where I was just trying to get my foot in the door and trying to find the story that I really loved but I also could see a way to you know I could see the angle I could sell it at right yep. and I think it was also very much a, a final version of, of of a book that I'd sort of been writing in various different forms like very very different stories but I think there were ideas in there and sort of dynamics and things and plot elements that mm-hmm. have been happening various times and so I wrote I wrote it I loved it um then the pandemic happened I'd written the first half of the book too and then the pandemic happened and my mother died at the same time and trying to write after that it it was very very hard to continue the trilogy because it felt like the person who started it had like the me who'd the me was dead right like that person was gone and they are not coming back and I'm not getting back to them because I live in a new world now it's like I think parental death is astonishingly transformative in a way that I don't think anyone can prepare you for like I've had various bereavements in my life but nothing has had that sort of night and day light switch effect of who you are um so Bitterthorn was the first book I kind of sat down and wrote as this new person and it kind of was a very important process to have somewhere to take all those really really horrible feelings yeah um, to channel right to be able to channel yeah, yeah. Was, if I was totally alone with these horrible feelings and because of lockdown I had no option other than to sit there and be alone with them there just had to be a place to go there had to be somewhere to take them and there had to be some meaning to all yeah. that suffering there had to be something I could like it just had to be for something you know so I think it kind of um had its life as a thing that was for me and then it had its life as a thing where I learned a hell of a lot during editing. And then it's got its new life now with readers and um, multiple people have said it made them cry. And I'm like, good, I cried a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> so- oh, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Firstly, um, I lost my father when I was quite young. Um, I recently lost my grandfather as well. I definitely see 
you know, when you're reading it, there are themes of loss, but there's also a hopefulness there. And I think that's the hard thing with grief is it's a constant. Up yeah. And down. yeah. It's never just kind of linear how you feel. One minute you kind of feel like I can, I can carry on and do this for that person. I can move yeah. forward to the next day. You can't get out of bed. Um, and I think that is explored beautifully in the, in the story. It really resonated with me personally. I'm sure lots of people will feel very similarly. Thank you about it and I as you say lockdown as well was such a I think a surreal time <laughs> for everybody yeah. in so many ways I think we look even now I sort of look back I think did that did that happen <laughs> did, was that real because mm. I think it was such a, a surreal time but, but again loneliness was something I think people who perhaps had never experienced were suddenly experiencing in lockdown yeah so I for me loneliness is something that's got very very old roots I experienced uh quite a lot of isolation and neglect and sort of extreme loneliness basically really until I was in my well really until I was in my late 20s and I got my shit together <laughs> done the therapy but yeah. sort of especially as a child and as a teenager it was a really very difficult um situation um and lockdown was sort of the, you know, you go to therapy and they say, the thing you're frightened of happening is in the past. You know, the past is in the past, you know, you've got it. Yeah. And then it was like, it was like the world went, no, no, we've specially made a situation yeah. that is incredibly unlikely to happen just for you to make you relive trauma. So I, I felt like I wanted, to, the, the writing about loneliness was very much sort of a, a, a as an old hand, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. yeah. People write, you know, I'm sure lots of people did experience it for the first time and maybe, you know, cynically, maybe it's got a, this book now has a wider audience because <laughs> people have been scarred by that experience. Now but, is the time yeah. for books on oh, loneliness. You know, some people might, you know, then some people might not want to ever visit that again, which yeah. I'd never really want to think about it again. It yeah, so no, I agree. I, I just sometimes it's so bizarre, like Facebook memories will pop up and it's almost like a fever dream. It's almost like for a minute there, I like blacked out, things happened. And now I've kind of returned to reality and I'm like, oh, Oh, 2020 was a thing, wasn't it? We actually did have that whole year. But I yeah. do love, I will say, you know, The Witch and Mina, it's it's a real beautiful story and there is loneliness. It does tackle loss and, you know, difficult themes, but it's also about finding yourself and they both find a strength in who they are and rediscovering themselves and each other. It's a really beautiful story. Um and it really does hark back to, you know, Brothers Grimm. It gives me such fairy tale vibes. It's gorgeous. I think it's going to do so well. Uh, and it's beautiful. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. That's, almost, that's the main thing. But yeah, it's it's a wonderful story. So I know we're, you know, we're talking about the difficult themes, but there's a lot of hope in those pages. Yeah, well. that was the most important thing to me. There was there was a conversation at one point about should how hopeful and how where should the ending be that the title is bitter thorn like you know it, yeah. is there something bitter does it need to be something bitter it's bittersweet in the ending and you know you'll discover yourself listeners what that where that balance was struck but it was very very important to me that it not be bleak it, and like it was very so important for me to end it on hope because you oh. balance it beautifully it is it's beautifully balanced in the pages um there are moments that made me even me I'm quite a stone heart like that it made me a little tearful um <laughs> and I'm quite hard to crack with with things like that um but also in a good way there were some real moments that I felt really warm so I think you you knocked the nail on the head with it completely thanks thank you completely. and now I'm going to 
take us into your novel evening and uh, yeah I could be wrong I feel like maybe we're going a little fairy tale but I could be way off base here oh uh yeah no <laughs> no okay <laughs> um, no no I it's so terrible I sat down to sort of think about this earlier and I don't actually have the notes in front of me so I might just go completely off piece but uh-huh. like the immediate thing that came into my head was like bag end was going to like the shire and going to some like amazing hobbit feast where it's all fires and coziness and maybe it's the opposite of like a sad gothic castle full of like it is the opposite maybe, like, a cozy warm hole in the ground full of like hearty fare and lots of lovely people and the shire is just i mean i have no complaints you know i grew up in dorset so which i think is basically the shire which i mean it's and it's just it gives you it's home right as soon as you see bag end in the shire you're home yeah i think that's i think that's what sort of yeah if it was came there it, there to me immediately i think it's like a place a lot of us can live in mentally quite easily like it's a very vivid place and you can kick your shoes off. You go into Bag End. You can hook your shoes off. You can get comfy in a chair, and you know it's it's no frills in Bag End. Life. It's about the good life and um, homeliness in the good way. Um, and so, um, sorry, it's a little again. This is totally rogue, but um, uh, I have a family, a family of my aunt and uncle in Sheffield, and I'm very, very close to them. I love them deeply. Um, and there is something of that everything is about enjoyment and I sort of talked to my therapist about why this relationship means so much and he describes it as like um great capacity for enjoyment and great capacity for love and it was just like yes that's it and then that's I feel like back in brings that that is oh that's so spot and I love that as well that is what I think bag end and hobbiton that's what it brings oh I love that that's that's my quote for this episode I think that's beautiful Uh, (laughs) I love that okay so we're going to be curled up in Bag End, the fire's roaring, there's some hearty fare on the table. Who's the first person who's going to come in? So I suppose we need to like allow Bilbo or Frodo, whoever is yeah. there. I, I assume, you know, whoever's whoever's hosting us are there. And then I, I, I sort of thought about any other fictional characters and I realised that my taste is fictional, is really characters who are so much fun to read about and would just be an absolute nightmare to be in the same room as so I kind of said like went sideways and was like oh my god see the authors instead <laughs> so I was thinking who was I thinking oh my gosh I'm getting completely forgetting I wrote all this down earlier um obviously um I would definitely write Diane Jones she was my childhood favorite oh, author yes in a in a I read a lot in my local library as a child where I would um awkwardly look up on the little crappy library computers that were like I mean you know this wasn't not ancient but this was running a very very old like black and green system where you just like punched in commands yep. because they bought a computer system in the 80s and never replaced it um and I was you know I'd look up her name and any book that was tagged to her I would just get them to order it in even though it was like the same book in a different edition and I'd be like I'll read it again um so I would definitely invite her because I didn't get to um meet her at a signing or anything before she passed away so I would love to um just have a massive fan card moment and cry and be like I love your book so much I love Um, how you always have that one author from when you're younger that just means so much you know, I think if you're a real bookworm, you have that one, you know, author that you look back on. And and I love that that's yours. I love the idea of her coming and, and being a bag end. 
Yeah, I think I think she fits the cozy theme. I don't think anyone else I wrote on my list is like remotely fits the cozy theme because like my next one was slightly rogue, which was Wilkie Collins, because I love um, the Victorian sensation novels and they are they like I feel like he maybe I don't do you know I I feel like I might cast aspersions on his personal life because I actually don't. All I know is he had a big opium problem, um, but I feel like he might have been fun at a party and also anyone who can tell such a like rip roaring yeah. Sort of, nonsense adventure um would probably be quite entertaining at a party and uh, i think so <laughs> opium aside i think that <laughs> he could be quite entertaining and they, you know they smoked the the green leaf in bag end so yeah. you know just i was thinking you know on the on the line of sort of like libertine poets and authors that i enjoy i was like he's possibly the tamest or at least the one he might give a i don't know maybe that's terrible maybe that's a terrible choice i don't know i'm very bad at this sort of like list making so oh, no, i think it's it. it's intriguing it's intriguing <laughs> you're so not sold it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> look we've had weirder we've had weirder combinations on here than this you've you know this yeah <laughs> it can work and i think you know Bilbo or Frodo, they can hold their own, you know? I think it'll be fine. And I think Wilkie Collins would provide some interesting storytelling. I think. Um, and if not, he'd be so high on opium, he'd be a just gonna make it even worse. Who's who's coming next? I was gonna invite Haruki Murakami so that I could complain about my undergrad dissertation. <laughs> I had to write my write my undergrad dissertation on him, and I'd be like, "Look, mate, I've got some questions. I had to translate your stuff. Let's talk about the simulacrum and reader." You yeah, hurt. not not so sure he's known for for being as much of a partier. I have no. Do you know? I genuinely don't know. I feel like um. The novels. There's always someone's always making pasta and listening to classical music, so maybe he'd contribute a very nice pasta dish and some gentle music. Maybe I feel like he'd be quite serious. I don't know. I don't know. We'd I feel find like... out. I mean, we'd find. I mean, maybe he's a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and he'd just be losing his mind about being in Bag End. We'd have to find out. Maybe we put. You would find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying to picture picture us all gathered around this little table in Bag End, like squat around this table, eating some pies and things. You know, I'm unconvinced. I actually in picture the dinner party. I think I just sort of listed people that I thought would be interesting. This is what I like though, because some people really think about the dynamics, and then other people just put names. I'm one of those people. I've recorded my own episode to come out soon. I did not consider dynamics at all. I just wanted beautiful, attractive people in a room. Oh, that's that's an angle I never even thought of. <laughs> We've gone for culture. I feel this is a cultured bag end dinner party. I think it'll be lost on Frodo and Bilbo. I don't know. They have a great literary tradition. They wrote some pretty important books. That's true. That, I, that was unfair of me. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they would and you know they've they've you know consorted with elves so yes yeah yeah elves okay might come along and have some i don't know honestly just cut it off here cut it off here before it gets did, I you, don't did have... you have anybody else in mind no no i sort of ground to a halt at that point because i should never be allowed to plan dinner parties so uh yeah <laughs> so when jones collins and murakami come in to bag end you're going to aggressively corner Murakami about your dissertation give him what for and ask him some questions Collins might be doing god and he knows what I don't know I kind of want to be like hey where'd you come up with your absolutely bonkers plots from 
Um, yeah, I think it was probably the opium bed. <laughs> I don't know. Some of them have some great social commentary. Um, anyway, he's got a whole book that's all about um, how unjust uh, laws about uh, children of unmarried parents not being able to inherit are. Um, oh. It's a great book, but it's also like a very intense social commentary on this specific Victorian issue. Oh, he was obviously on one that day. That was obviously something that really bugged him. <laughs> he's great. He's fun. So... The question I then ask, you've got your little intimate dinner party and it is very intimate. We're in Bag End. It's a small gathering. Is there anybody you don't want to show up? Well, I think I sort of said already is all of my favourite characters. I'd like to not ever meet you, thanks. Wow. Okay, give me a few examples. I love a shitbag. I love, I, I love like the sarcastic, mean, like betrayy, terrible. And they're so much fun to read. They're so much fun to write. And my God, would you want to punch them in the face if you ever had to like sit down with them for like 10 minutes? That's, that's very fair. I think you can love, as you say, a shitbag character, but not necessarily want to have an intimate dinner party with them. Yeah, I just want to read about them, like, going through terrible things. I want to read about them being terribly cocky and arrogant and having a massive, like, awful comeuppance and having to, anyway, just... You just don't want to spend time with them, which I think is more than acceptable. Admire them from afar. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, I do, you know, I think your dinner party for what is a rather uh, ad hoc, shall we say, uh, guest list... I think it would be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how these authors, and you've got a couple of characters, you've got a couple of the, you know, you've got one of the Bagginses there at least, perhaps even two Bagginses. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. There's always going to be, you know, there's going to be flagons of ale and things if things really take It's fine. I'll just disappear off and be in the kitchen drinking wine like the best parties. That is usually where I'm to be found (laughs) when there's a party. Let the people talk. I'll hide with the wine and just listen in. You can just earwig to what's happening. There we go. It's ideal. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your rest of your evening, uh, are you reading anything? I know you're very attracted to deadlines and, you know, publicity, but are you reading anything at the moment? So I just finished uh, Night Bitch by Rachel Yoda. Y- Yoda. Oh my God, that's terrible. I put the book in a different room so I can't see it. It is Rachel Yoda. I- yeah. Um, Yes, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I don't read much literary fiction, but like it was... No, I don't, but I was really... I think it's the title for me. It's, I saw the title and I was like, maybe I should get this. It, no, it's so like... I I think sometimes with literary fiction, you have to work quite hard to get into it. Whereas this, I just slid straight in and it was really fantastic. Um, and uh, I've just started reading Robin Hobb for the very first time. I am not very far in, um, but it's one of those ones that because I no one introduced me to her when I was like 12 it then just became unbearably intimidating to start yes um, but I've I've I finally bit the bullet and I've got um the first uh assassin yes the first, the first I just read that so one of my best friends is a huge Robin Hobb fan and has been on at me for so long and I felt the same as you because there's so many of them so I was like there's so many books yeah. If I start this, it's a commitment. But I read the first, oh my God, what's it called? Assassins. Fool's Assassin? Don't quote me on that. Assassin. I'm like trying to look at my shelves from here and obviously I can't see it, which is, I know it's over there somewhere. But yes, I read the first one and it's so good. There's other, it's, the world is insane. So you're in for like an absolute treat. 
it's uh it's so good so but yeah i haven't read any of the other ones yet i did enjoy the first one yes yeah i'm just really hoping you know it's always nice when you find a new giant fantasy series that you love because it's like ah there's infinite books for me to read fantastic yes yes for sure and i think a touch wood from what i read i really think you will enjoy it so i'll be watching this space to see if you're hooked excellent thank you i fingers crossed and thank you so so much for coming to chat with me it's been an absolute pleasure uh, i cannot wait to see bitterthorn doing amazingly uh, it's a fantastic book so, so everyone needs to get their hands on it and thank you so much again yeah thank you for having me it's so exciting to get to promote bitterthorn and uh, finally see it out in the world with readers um thank you for having me on